Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, As you know, each episode builds on the next. We've been having some amazing episodes recently. Uh, Again, thank you for writing in, sharing your insights. I love hearing about how you're implementing the strategies, ideas, uh, brilliance and wisdoms of all of my guests. Uh, I love sharing, uh, one week sharing some wisdom, next week having a guest. Today, uh, we have another very uh, special guest with you. I love this guy's work. I started reading his work many, many years ago, and uh, I've had the opportunity to meet him myself and hear him speak, and he is dynamic. He is inspiring. Uh, He's the real deal. You know, he has a depth and a wisdom, but an ability to, I think, communicate uh, spiritual teaching in a way that is so practical, relevant, and applicable for just the modern age today. I think you're going to love what he has to say. Get your pens and papers ready, take lots of good notes. You may have seen him on The Secret. He's the author of uh, way too many best-selling books to mention, but some of them are The Attractor Factor, Life's Missing Instruction Manual, uh, Track Money Now. We're going to talk about that with him. Zero Limits and, uh, and The Secret Prayer, which I haven't read, but I'm looking forward to reading. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to Soul Talk, Dr. Joe Vitale. Joe, welcome. Thank you. What a wonderful, warm build-up there. Maybe excited to hear myself speak. I hope I don't disappoint <laughs> myself. Thank you. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on, man. It's it's great to connect. Uh, I love what you're up to. I love what you're putting up in the world, putting out to the world, and just you know, excited to have you on Soul Talk uh, to inspire some people. So you know, look, I have a bunch of questions. I want to talk about abundance. I want to talk about wealth uh, in a second because mm. that is a a key thing that I think in the spiritual community, I think sometimes we have a sort of, it feels paradoxical sometimes. Uh, there's conflict about that. As we dive into that, I, w- I, w- I want to just, just set the context for people who may not know of your work, may not have seen you on The Secret or read your books. You know, just give, 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 me, give, give us a little bit of a framework in terms of, you know, how did you get started in this field of like, what, what put you on the path? Cause I mean, you're pumping out books and I mean, I see I'm losing track of how many books you're putting out these days and Me courses too. and yeah. And so what, what, what inspired you just so we have a sense as we dive uh, deep dive, what inspired you to get on the path of, of sort of spiritual awakening, transformation, personal development was usually sometimes there's, there's maybe a moment of pain or, sometimes people hit a wall or a breakdown or a traumatic event. I'm like, what was it for you? Unhappy kid looking for happiness. I was in a household that was uh, abusive, unhappy, non-supportive, and yet at the same time, 
I was taken care of, I was raised, I was given the safety and security and survival that was required. But in my heart, I was unhappy. In my heart, I wanted more. And I always looked to books. Books were always my friends. The public library was always safe. And along those very early days, I decided that I wanted to write. I wanted to make a difference through the written word. So I decided very early on that I was going to be an author. And we're talking about pre-teenage years. Well, Mm. I did become an author. It just took 30-some years of struggle, of personal (laughs) internal torture, of going through. Yeah, that's the traditional overnight success. It takes 30 years. And I was homeless at one point. I was in poverty for a good 10 years. I have gone through the dark night of the soul, and like an overnight success, the dark night lasted a good 10 years or more. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to starve. I know what it's like to be desperate. I know what it's like to even be suicidal. I went all through that while I was maintaining this focus, this goal of being an author. My first book was 1984, and it was a celebration and a disappointment. Celebration because, hey, I'm finally published. And disappointment because I quickly learned publishers are glorified printers. They don't know about marketing. And you know that, and I know that, and probably some of your listeners know that at this point, but it came as a shock to me in 1984. And that's when I became a marketing person because I was a marketing person Mm. for for my best client, me. And that began a whole quest to become a marketer. And I became an Internet marketer way before other people knew me as anything else. And mainly because Mm -hmm. the Internet was coming around, I was using it to leverage my own books. And over time, I started writing more books, seeing moderate success when I was in Houston. And one of my books, The Attractor Factor, which was a spiritual book about the law of attraction, got me to be invited to be in a, you know, a movie. And uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the movie, never been in a movie before, but said, sure, I'll be in this movie. Well, the movie was The Secret. And in 2006, mm-hmm. it blew the notoriety that I was gaining into the global sphere. They know me on Mars now because mm-hmm. of the movie The Secret. And mm-hmm. I've been blowing and going ever since. I've written 70-some books, and somebody else had to count oh, that because I didn't know. I'm a musician, wow. as you know. I've I've got 15 yeah. albums done. I, I've been in about 17 movies since The Secret, and I'm traveling mm-hmm. all over the world to preach the gospel of self-improvement and even beyond mm-hmm. that because I've learned so much that goes beyond what we call the law of attraction and self-help and personal development. There you go. Mm-hmm. There's my one-minute overview. I love it. I love it. So you talked about being homeless and like uh, being in poverty for 10 years. Now, it's kind of hard for me to imagine, you know, looking at you today and seeing you and hearing you speak and writing all these books. Like, really? Is that like part of me thinks, Joe, come on, you're BSing me, man. I mean, really, that's a great story. But but if you're telling me, obviously, it's got to be true. So homeless, poverty, 10 years. It wasn't like just a year. Right. Firstly, how did you end up in that situation in terms of poverty and, and for so long? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of folks listening in that perhaps, you know, they've tried everything and, and they're doing the secret and they're practicing affirmations, doing yoga, <laughs> meditating, being a good person, and they're broke and they're struggling. And financially, <laughs> right. 
you know, they're in such pain. They're like amazing people thinking great thoughts, but the bank account doesn't reflect it. So I'm curious, what did you also end? What, what was the, the, the shift that occurred inside of you after 10 years to finally like break out of the gravitational pull of poverty, of the sphere of poverty? How did you get into that? What kept you there? And, and like, what made the real difference? Because we're told so many things and a lot of things don't work. So like, what was it really for you? Well, I'll tell you what works. What works is changing the unconscious beliefs that are operating in our lives. We've got blind spots in our mental software. And most of us never get a chance to look at it. Most of us never even get a chance to hear about them. So it's, it's the unknown for most people. Your audience is more highly evolved, so they probably know about some of that. But I'm going to tell you, and this is the bottom line truth. Yes, I was homeless. People would say, what kind of car did you live in? And I said, car. A car would have been great. I didn't have a car. I was huh. in the Dallas Public Library using their bathroom and sleeping on their front steps. Oh, wow. And why? Why? It was because I had unconscious operating beliefs about money, success, deservingness, and I had modeled my life out of authors I greatly admired, like Ernest Hemingway and Jack London, both of which had dramatic, unhappy, alcoholic, and suicidal lives. As I did the work on my beliefs, and believe me, this is a one-man show back then. We didn't even have the Internet. We didn't have a lot of things we take for granted. We didn't have you. We didn't have this show. And so I'm doing it alone. I am trying to unravel beliefs. And I'm going to give you a quote right now that didn't come from me, but I wish it did. It's from Arnold Patton. And Arnold Patton mm. said, we do not create abundance. We create mm. limitations. Mm, love it. Pausing for that to sink in. We do not create abundance. We create limitations. Abundance oh. is the natural state. And what I was doing is what a lot of people are doing is they have beliefs about money, which creates a limitation on whether they allow it into their lives or not. I wrote a whole book called Attract Money Now, which is free. Your listeners can have it. Go to attractmoneynow.com, and there it is. And one of the things I say in there is I can say – I can begin a belief right here, and everybody on this call is going to finish the sentence. Mm. Money is the root of all they evil. All evil. Everybody mm. on this call mm -hmm. just said evil. So let's go one step deeper into this. If you're trying to attract money, and you might want it for very good, noble reasons, you got bills to pay, you want to feed your family, there might be a cause you believe in, you want to direct it to save a community or save a person, you got really positive reasons for this money. But, yes. but if you think money's evil, you're not going to want it. Who mm -hmm. wants evil in their lives? We will find ways to sabotage ourselves. We'll do it unconsciously. We'll do it subconsciously. We'll do it in the shadows of our own mind. We will blame everybody else. We will blame the government. We'll blame the president. We'll blame our boss, our neighbors, our friends, the economy, the state of the mind, our parents. We'll blame everybody. And we won't realize that really what's happening is this subconscious belief that money is bad or money corrupts or money is evil or any variation of that 
is actually is what is preventing money from coming in. I will often ask people, have you ever noticed that you do get money just in the nick of time to pay your bills? Sometimes mm-hmm. maybe right down to the wire, sometimes a day late, but you end up getting the money. Ever noticed? And when they say yes, I say it's because you didn't want money to be in your possession. You let it come in just under the wire because here comes that evil money, and then you got rid of it. And this is also why so many people who have won the lottery or inherited money are often more broke than before they got it. So the short answer is we are creating the limitations just like I did through beliefs about money, deservingness, success, ourselves, and all kind of variations. Right. How do we shift? The, how do we shift those beliefs? Let's say we're like, okay, uh, yeah. Some people listening in, Joe, may not even be aware that right. they have beliefs, right? Because they're unconscious. So if let me back right. up. If they're unconscious, how do you even get conscious of what's even unconscious? And then <laughs> how do you shift them? Because if I don't know, right. I don't, I, if I don't know, I don't know. How the hell do I know? <laughs> that's right. Yes, uh, but the good news is that's all available to us. The unconscious is operating in the shadows, but it is not absolutely hiding. It is not doing something that you cannot uh, trace and uncover. And what I mean by that is when you start to look, you will find them, simply because now you're turning the light of awareness on it. Now, sometimes all you need is awareness itself. Awareness is a powerful tool. Once somebody yes. points out something, this is what you do on your, your calls all the time you're doing this. And it's what we're doing on this call. Maybe nobody thought about money being the root of all evil is the stopper to their, to their income. But once they look at it and they go, okay, I need to make peace with money, they've now moved in the direction of allowing money to come into their lives. So I point out, like I do in the book, Attract Money Now, those beliefs. One is money is the root of all evil. Well, let's look at that. That is not accurate. The actual longer biblical statement, which may not even be accurate in itself because it's translated from thousands of years old and retranslated and reinterpreted, and we don't know what the hell it actually said in the beginning, but we're going to go with what we have. And the longer phrase is the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Well, that's slightly better than just money by itself being evil. Here's what I've noticed, though. The wealthy people who are well-adjusted and doing great things in the world are not in love with money. They appreciate it. They leverage it. They use it, but they're not in love with it. So that's the next thing that I would want people on this call to be aware of, is that you don't need to love money. You do want to welcome it. And in fact, again, Arnold Patton, this teacher that I've loved so much, and he's written a couple books. He's up. You should interview him at some point. He's almost 90, but he's still around. And he said, the sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. When you look at money from that angle, Money now has a soulful, spiritual purpose to it. It is not evil. Actually, money in and of itself is nothing. It's neutral. We are the ones who are projecting meaning onto it. 
But money in and of itself is nothing. It's paper. It's coin. We are, we're the ones agreeing that it means something. And Arnold is saying that basically the sole purpose of that money is to express appreciation. When you go to pay for your house payment, aren't you grateful to be in the house? When you go to make your car payment, aren't you grateful to have a car? You go to the grocery store, pay your bill, aren't you grateful? So this reframes money right there, reframes it. So now money has a new meaning. This, this alone is going to make it easier for you to receive money. And then the next thing that I would say, all of this is in the direction of awareness, and that is you deserve good in your life. Most people struggle with self-esteem issues. That's one of the reasons that I was in so much pain for so long. I didn't like myself. I didn't care for myself. I thought I was less than. I wasn't good enough. And variations of that are in most people. They grew up in families where the the parents weren't Mr. and Mrs. Buddha. They had their own baggage. They had their own built-in limitations. They had been downloaded all kind of limiting beliefs themselves. And they carried them out as they raised you. So they did it unconsciously. They did it inadvertently. They did not do it with any malice. They were just doing what they knew to do. So as you grow up, you start getting these messages, well, you're not quite enough, you're not quite lovable or likable the way you are, and so you have this less than feeling, and it's a lower self-esteem. And I know you know this, and many of your folks listening probably know this, but this is one of the things we need to build up so that we realize we deserve to have good things. We deserve to have a good life. We are good enough just the way we are. Those three or four things I just talked about, those are life-changing awareness principles all by themselves. Are there any things that you you did any specific practices that you did because I wholeheartedly yeah. believe that the, the deserving thing is so important and I think you know sometimes people will say I just I know I, I, I intellectually should right. deserve it but I, I just don't feel it I don't feel it inside of me I mean I know I should right so is there anything you did to make that connection yeah I'm a big of, of, of deserving I love the question. I'm a big believer in using tools and techniques. I write about them. I teach them. I use them myself on a very daily basis. But let's go back to my struggle years. The one thing I kept hearing all the time is gratitude. You got to be grateful. You got to be grateful for what you have. And I would think, yeah, I'll be grateful when I have money. I'll be grateful when I get a book published. I'll be grateful when I'm in a relationship. I'll be grateful when I'm out of this hellhole. I'll be, you know. And everybody would say back to me, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. You have to be grateful first. Well, there was a turning point in my life. And in fact, I'm in two different movies where I tell this story. And this, it's a story of a pencil. I was in a $200 a month dump. And I mean, it was a dump. The toilet, the kitchen, and TV were all in the same room. This, wow. I can't believe <laughs> that. That's a dump. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And, but I'm working on myself. I'm reading the books. I'm going to the public library. I go to free lectures because I don't have any money to pay for any of the events. And I got a pencil. I got a pencil. And I said, all right, I'm going to try this gratitude BS. <laughs> and I'm going to be grateful for this pencil. 
and I was not grateful. I began by saying, all right, with this pencil, I can write a grocery list, and I can write a poem, and I can write a suicide note, and I can write uh, an article to the magazine, or I can write a novel, or I can write, well, I can write a manifesto, I can write a screenplay, and I started to get excited, going, I can write, I can, I can write, I can move the world with this pencil, I can write things that can make people sit up and take notice, and I started to get energized. And then I looked at the other end, and there was an eraser. And I went, oh, God, this is genius. Who thought of this? This, this stick with lead on one side that can write the great American novel. On the other side, I can erase anything that isn't working, including a suicide note. And I went from zero to ecstatic in like two minutes. And I realized my life had changed. In that moment, I'm still in the dump. I'm still unpublished. I'm still broke. I'm still unknown. I'm still not getting anywhere in outer reality. But that moment of gratitude let me look out to the same world but see a glow and to see a possibility and to see optimism when it wasn't there right before it. Because of that ability to shift into gratitude, I was able to begin the process of creating success and attracting wealth and a relationship and, and all the things that you know, I may be known for at this point. And I tell people, I still practice gratitude today. Mm-hmm. When I, yeah. uh, I'm in the process of moving and going through a few life changes, but where I've been for the last 20 years, there's a hot tub. And virtually every night I would get in the hot tub and I would look at the sky and I'd look at the stars and I would say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm. Moving into that spirit of gratitude. Now, as I say all of this, I'm quick to point out, I don't care what people are going through. I Uh don't care what it is. You can find something in this moment to be grateful for. And that shift in the gratitude is what shifts you into the abundance mindset. That's where it all begins. I love it. So simple, but so true. And, and you know, yes. as, as you're talking, you know, many of us, we, we get the idea, but we don't actually like, do it for real. And, and, I'm, and I'm hearing you talk and thinking, you know, it doesn't cost anything to be grateful, Joe. I mean, it's, right. it's free, you know. Right. <laughs> that, right. That's the, it doesn't cost any money. I mean, it. It, it, it is it is so true. Are there well, any other? Uh, yeah. Are there any other beliefs? Uh, you you, you mm-hmm. kind of you start outlining a few of them that people have to let go of, become aware of, or shift. You know, like uh, uh, money is the root of all evil. You know, the deserving mm-hmm. uh, factor. Are there any other beliefs that are unconscious that you can help us uh, identify, or that we need to really become conscious of to start shifting? You observe. Well, what I Yeah, what I ask people to do is to pay attention to their self-talk because their self-talk are their beliefs being silently expressed. So if I told somebody to write down your intention for, uh, for the income you would like to have or the sales quota you would like to meet or the unexpected riches you would like to fall into your lap, I always like to tell them to write down some sort of intention because the intention is a guiding force that will align your body and mind to go in that direction. It's also a request to the universe. But more than that, it triggers beliefs. 
when you write down that I am going to have $5,000 of unexpected income by next Friday, all the beliefs are going to show up. Um, that's impossible. I'm too old for that. I'm not smart enough for that. I'm not creative for that. There's no way I can see for that to happen. I mean, I'm making up things right now, but all of those thoughts, all of those excuses, all of those rationalizations are beliefs being expressed. Let me give it to you in a different example. You know that I'm a musician, and I mentioned that I have 15 albums now, but I've only done that in the last six years. And when I was turning the age of 60, it was on my bucket list to be a musician. And I thought, well, I've always loved music. I fooled around with a guitar. But I'd like to really learn how to go in the studio, record music, write the song, sing the song, play the music, write the music, get a band together, the whole thing. And I had no experience doing that. None, none, none. But I said, I intend to be a recorded musician by the end of whatever it was that year. And so uh, there's my intention. Well, guess what? Everything in the way of it showed up. All of my limiting beliefs. Mm. I can't sing. I don't even sing in the shower. I don't sing behind the wheel of the car. I don't sing alone in a canyon somewhere. So I can't sing. Well, that's a belief, but I stated it as if it was reality. I can't play the guitar. I knew three chords. I've got to know more chords than that. Wow. And I can't learn them that well. I'm too old. Well, there's another belief. Mm. I can't go in the studio and actually do this with other people. I'll be too embarrassed. It took me mm. forever to become a public speaker. How do you become an actual performing song, singer-songwriter? And I <laughs> swear to God, it was excruciating <laughs> for me. Mm. Me, the guy who's been teaching people to look at beliefs, transcend their limitations, move past their barriers, achieve the impossible. Me, at the age of 60, going, oh, man, I don't think I can do this. Well, mm. I had to do what I'm asking everybody else to do. Look at those beliefs. You take every one of the beliefs and you ask things like, is it true? Or you yes. ask something like, where's the evidence for that belief? When I would say mm. something like, well, I can't learn to sing. Where's the evidence for that? That's the kind of question you want to ask beliefs because you'll find that the beliefs will not hold up. To question ourselves, yes. To so question yes. ourselves. Is it true? Where's the evidence? Is it fact mm -hmm. or fiction? Okay, great. You're saying. Yeah, all of those are important to ask. I think that you have mm -hmm. to be almost like Socrates or uh, Sherlock Holmes. And whenever you hear one of your own beliefs, you want to investigate it and find out, yeah, is this true? Why do I believe this belief? You look for the evidence that no doubt was given to you by somebody else that reinforced the belief. I'm of the mindset today, and one of my books has this title, anything is possible. Anything is possible. I'm not sure there are any limitations at all in any of us anywhere on the planet outside of mm -hmm. the ones that, that are mental constructs that we fuel with repetition, and maybe we find some other people who agree with the limitation, but I don't know that it's actually true. I think mm. that we can blast through all of them with questioning, with persistence, and one of the other tools that I've always believed in is coaching. I found that mm. I got the, the best, fastest, most accelerated results is when I worked with somebody else. Part mm. of the reason for that is that when you try to change your own beliefs, you're a little bit playing chess with yourself 
You know yeah. your own moves. Uh, uh, so mm-hmm. you can you can do it and you can outsmart yourself, but it's usually quicker if you've got a trained mm. mentor or coach that's helping you. Anyway, I well, sometimes more. the eyeball can't see itself. You know, so how specific you, you mentioned something and I think this yeah. is more of a specific question about specificity. How specific in your experience should our intentions and goals be? Because sometimes you hear this thing, Joe, of, oh, you know, be specific, exactly, write down exactly what you want, that $5,000 and the color and the shoe size and the exact formation and when and where. Be specific. Then there's another kind of camp that says, don't be specific. Don't put limits (laughs) in the universe. Just, Just like, you know, hold the ceiling and let the universe sort of unfold it. What's the deal? Yeah, I love that. Well, in my book, The Attractor Factor, I talk about setting intentions. And I said, what you want to do at the end of every intention, you add a phrase. And this is the disclaimer phrase that invites the universe to give you what could be more juicy for you. And the phrase is, this or something better. Right. So if I have my sights on a car, I and I do remember early on, decades ago, when I was really into beginning into cars, I wanted a particular Mercedes. And I said, I want this Mercedes, blah, 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 blah. But I ended it with this or something better. And I was mm-hmm. led to a car that I still believe decades later was far better than that Mercedes ever would have been. So what we're doing when we add the phrase, this or something better, is we're getting out of our ego. It's really easy for our ego to go, well, this is the the thing I want right here. Give me this size, this color, this will, base, and blah, blah, blah. However, the ego only has a limited view of what's possible. The universe, God, the great something, whatever you want to call it, sees the wide scope and could find something that's a better match for you. So I like to say, here's what I want, as specific as I can make it, but I'm open to something better, this or something better. I love it. During that time, Joe, when, when you were you know, going homeless, right, you had these visions and dreams, because I think there's lots of folks that, you know, they, they have listening in, they have visions and dreams, maybe some have manifested, some are you know, going through some challenging times. You know, wow, I'm thinking 10 years of poverty, man, 10 years of struggling, 10 years. That, that's a long time. So what, like, what, why did you not give up? I mean, you said you were maybe even suicidal at moments. Like, right. What actually kept you go- and going? Cause I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, man, there's, there's only so many affirmations you can do. Uh, <laughs> you got you to dig in pretty deep to keep going. And so right. what kept you going? How did you keep going? How did you keep persevering? Like, where did you go inside of yourself? What did you access? So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I love that. Well, I will tell you in the most transparent way that when I was leaving college, I went to Kent State University, Kent, Ohio. So last year would have been 1976 and about to go out into the mm-hmm. world. But I was so unhappy and so discouraged and so skeptical that I had any chance for success, I was ready to end my life there. I took a shotgun. I went in the back of the house that I was at. It was a rental kind of a house, but I was the only one in it at this particular time. And I went in the back and I fired that gun first to be sure that it worked and then reloaded it to aim it at me. 
And I still remember that night. I still remember the air and the sky and me. I can, it's like I'm there. I can feel it right now as I'm talking about it. And the mm. only thing that stopped me was, what if it all shifts tomorrow? Mm. What if it all shifts next week? What if it all shifts next month or even next year? And I cut my possibilities off in this ugly moment. Curiosity is what saved my butt. Curiosity, belief that the sun would rise again. And every day looking for that sun to rise and every day getting up and doing my writing, doing my sending out manuscripts, which is what you had to do back then. Put them in a manila envelope, address them, put postage on them, send them out, wait six weeks for what usually was a rejection, then do it all over again. I kept doing that because I kept thinking at some point the sun's going to rise. And I'm going to tell you, I am so grateful. I have had the most amazing life. I've had the most staggering successes. I have been in the most glorious romances. I have been around the world touching people and being touched by people. I've been able to write far more books than I ever imagined would be humanly possible for me, let alone anybody. And, of course, got to do things like appear in movies, and I got to appear as an actor in a movie, and I got to do music. And some of my music's being used in soundtracks and movies. And, my God, I would have taken all that away. Wow. And so I tell wow. people, one more day, the sun will rise mm -hmm. again. One more day, if you have to say it every day, one more day. I love it. I'm, I'm glad you kept going. I'm glad you kept persevering, Joe, because I think as a result of that, you've impacted a lot of people, you know. And so for anyone listening in, if you're thinking about giving up or quitting on your dream, maybe it's not suicide, but just throwing in the dream. What if? What if it shifts? And there's people right now that are probably waiting for you to share your gift and write that book that needs you and are waiting. Beautiful, Joe. How, in terms of... Um, <clears throat> I want to just get your, your insight on des destiny and how much, in your experience, do you feel life is destined, right? It's like destiny, karma, <clears throat> and how, how much are we actually in control of? Because there are moments <laughs> where it does seem, you know, I love it. Shit just, shit just happens, you know? It's like, how did that right. happen? I don't know. It right. just happened. I have this plan. And the universe has another plan. And, and so how much do we really control? And just share your thoughts on that because I think it's, an, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a topic, you know? It is. A, yeah, that's one way to put it. It's a topic. I love that. It's mm -hmm. a topic. It's a life quest is what it is. I mean, it's the, the question mm -hmm. of all time. I wrote a book called The Awakening Course, and it was after The Secret, and it was after my work with the Hawaiian spiritual teaching called Ho'oponopono, and my ongoing meditation, and I get to the point where I, and this is where I'm at now, is we have incredible control. We have powers of creative um, innovation that are amazing, that are staggering, that are on the level of the miraculous, and we're not in control. We're not in yes. complete control. This year has been the worst of my entire life, even going wow. back to my homeless times. I'm in a divorce. It should have been easy, but it's still going on. My father 
died. My best friend died. My youngest, somebody in my family tried to commit suicide. He shot himself. It has been, I'm in a new relationship with somebody who just developed neuro-Lyme disease, and so she and we are struggling with that. None of this was planned. None of this was something I said, oh, I'm going to create a divorce. I'm going to create death. I'm going to create destruction. I'm going to create disease. Hell no. So this is on my plate, though, and so I can't help but feel the law of attraction needs to meet something like stoicism. We need to have this blending of opposites where we realize Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you've got amazing control. You have control over yourself, your perception, your meanings, your actions, your thoughts, and, and so forth. But you don't have total control. You are not the God or the universe or the divine or whatever you want to call the great something. If I were in complete control, my father would still be here. My mother would still be here. My brother wouldn't have shot himself. So I think there's a a blend of opposites, and Mm -hmm. there's also a danger. And the danger is giving up and going, well, if I'm not in charge, just screw it, and I'll let whatever's pushing the – buttons here go ahead and push me through life that's not Mm. the surrender that is actually spiritual it's not the soulful surrender Mm. there's another surrender where you give in to merging with the flow of life you give Mm. in to what looks like the divine will and Mm -hmm. i find that there's that happy medium at that point where i can create my reality while i seem to be kind of carried away with a sail that's already struck in the air that the divine is leading or blowing. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I don't want people to give up thinking, well, if I don't have free will, screw it. No, you've got more power (laughs) than you ever imagined before in your entire life. Choose what you want, Mm -hmm. intend what you want, go for what you want, and Mm -hmm. have a sense of surrender Mm -hmm. to this wiser power that can carry us to better things. I think the key words you're you're mentioning, at least as I'm hearing you, is the and, you know, the and, the ability to to not hold on to just either or, but embrace the and. Uh, I think that that allows that merging with the flow of life and 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 our ability to dance, you know, and do our part, give 100 percent without attachment, but also be in a state of allowing and receptivity and openness so that we can allow grace to unfold uh, through us. That's beautiful. I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 you were in this zone for 10 years, struggling, breakthroughs started happening. Obviously you kept going and, you know, you've become an, an incredibly, you know, successful author. I, I put out a book last year, became a national bestseller. So, I mean, I have respect for any, any authors because writing a book is damn hard. <laughs> Marketing a book, Joe, as you know, for, wow, that's a whole That's the harder monster. part, right. That's a whole other monster. And so you put out books, they become bestsellers, nothing but huge respect, huge respect. And I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious from an author perspective, and I'm sure some folks listening in, you know, you were struggling, pushing stuff out there, like I'm wondering, like you said, you started doing some things marketing-wise. I'm curious on that side, like book-wise, author-wise, what what made the difference? You know, even before yeah. the secret, you said you were getting some notoriety 
like I want to know some of you like your 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 author book secrets. Yeah. You know, like what did you do? What happened? What what made the difference? Well, thank you. I love talking about books. I'm a bookaholic at heart. And I did have to learn marketing and strategic and street smart marketing in order to, to promote books. Most people don't know there's yeah. like a thousand books published every week. And it's probably yes. more than that with self-publishing. So the, the competition is drowning each other. There's so much material. How do you stand out? Well, I can talk about marketing for the next month, but I'm going to tell you what the, the number one thing that I did that I see almost nobody do and that is mm. leveraging publicity, leveraging publicity. Huh. And what I mean by that is I wrote a book on P.T. Barnum. It was called There's a Customer Born Every Minute. And five days before Barnum died, he wrote a little note that said he owed his success and his great wealth and his fame and fortune to the newspapers of the world. They are the mm. ones who brought the masses to him and made him so famous they're still making movies and writing books about the guy. So, hmm. publicity. When I wrote the book, The Attractor Factor, Harry Potter was coming out, or the author of Harry Potter, there was a new Harry Potter book coming out, and the Pope had a book coming out, and they were all pre-publication <laughs> number one bestsellers. And when I say number one, we're talking about overall number one, not number yes, one in a category. Yes. And here I am coming out with the attractor factor. And I remember sitting in my little office all by myself going, now how in the world am I going to beat Harry Potter and the Pope? And I got mm. this inspiration to send out a news release that said uh, something to the effect that I remember the exact headline, but it was like, underdog author goes up against the media empire behind Harry Potter and the Catholic Church. And mm. then I, I wrote a paragraph or two <laughs> saying, Joe Vitale, you know, this uh, basically unknown author at the time of a book called The Attractor Factor, is doing his best to make his book a bestseller while it goes against Harry Potter and uh, the Pope. I sent that news release mm. out. My book, The Attractor Factor, beat Harry Potter and the Pope. It became oh, wow. a number one bestseller in all categories, number one at the very top. I still got photographs of it and you know, wow. documentation and everything. New York Times mm -hmm. did an article on it, and it was one of the reasons the book did so well that Rhonda Byrne in Australia heard about it and called me and mm -hmm. said, hey, I'm going to make this movie. Would you like to be in it? Oh, sure. What's a movie? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you want me to do? All of this came from publicity. Today, the media is so much bigger and even more hungry for stories, and that's what authors neglect doing. If they send a news release out at all, it's new book by this author. That's boring. That goes right in the trash can. It's shredded. It's destroyed. It's not open. It's not used. There needs to be a story. Tell me the story of why there's this book or what was the challenge mm. to create the book or what's unique about the author. Or give me some sort of colorful tidbit about the background of the book. Tell me something that people will talk about because mm. that's what the media will run. If they get something that's pretty unique, they want that because it'll get eyeballs on their newscast. And you want that because those eyeballs going on the newscast are going to be potential buyers for your book. 
And even more than that, once you have a publicity thing done, like if it's done on national TV or you get some coverage in a magazine or newspaper, you copy it, you leverage it, and you can milk it for the rest of your life. Mm. Story, story is one key. Yeah, story, story is a key. It absolutely mm. is a key. I love it. Human interest. People want to know about other human interests. We all want to know about people. We all want stories. We're storied beings. Mm. I love it. I love it. You know, sometimes when people are, are, are faced with the moment of putting themselves out there into the world, Joe, um, mm. you know, I, I know a lot of folks like that, they, they, they have a story um, to share. They have a book they want to write or a message, uh, but obviously they get afraid. Often some, one of the fears is rejection or failure. Sometimes it's success. But one of the fears I see that stops people from really putting their story out there is this whole, whole um, need or, or craving for other people's you know, approval, people to like mm-hmm. them, validation. And I'm curious how you deal with that as someone who you know, goes on stages, you get on a stage in front of a thousand people, there's going to be a thousand different opinions. You know, you do an amazing <laughs> job. Someone's not going to like you, I'm sure. You know, Joe's right. this, he's too bad, he's too there, he's not bad, he's whatever it right. is. And, and so how do you navigate that within yourself so that you don't allow, how did you overcome this whole need, desire to be liked or other people's approval and validation? And how can people listening in kind of find that uh, foundation of sort of peace within themselves? Big question. So let's see if I can unpack that. The very first part that comes to mind is what we talked about earlier in the sense that a lot of people don't approve of themselves to begin with. So they're not mm-hmm. liking themselves. They don't have the self-esteem or the self-approval. And if they don't have that and they step out on stage, they're almost desperately looking for uh, approval or signs of appreciation. So where we want to back up to is approving of yourself without anybody else. Looking in the mirror and going, I like myself the way I am. Yes, I'm changing. Yes, I'm morphing. Yes, I'm growing. But by God, I'm good enough just the way I am. Starting starting there as the baseline is where we want to be. Now, Mm. yeah, I've been on stages for decades now, and I was on Larry King, and allegedly millions watched it, and I – I think the largest large audience I was ever in front of was 19 or 20,000 people. I wow. still get concerned when I walk out because I mm. want everybody to like me. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to like me. I mean, who doesn't want to be liked? And yet at right. the same time, there's that and that you talked about earlier. And mm. there are going to be people that for whatever reasons that I have nothing to do with won't like me. Yes. They won't like a bald person, or they, or, or I will remind them of their father or their brother or somebody that was an authority. Or I'm making up things just to show that we can't mm-hmm. control that. So what I learned to do a long time ago was, first of all, go out there and share my passion. I'm on stage yeah. because I got something to say. Say mm-hmm. it to the people who want to hear it. And I love mm-hmm. the word testify. When I went into the studio the first time, that was the word I wrote down, testify. And what that meant was get up there and speak your goddamn truth. Let it mm. rip. Let it be mm. real. Let the chips fall mm. where they may because this is my authentic truth. This is my message, and my God, I'm going to testify it. 
And a few people don't catch it, it's okay. Sometimes you really have to tell yourself, you know, if one person's in that audience and they come alive because I testified, it was worth it. So those are some of the things I look at. It's an internal job all along, but I want to share what I believe in to those Mm. who are willing and ready to hear it. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think when we're definitely really more committed to, as you're talking about testifying and making a difference and being of service, I think it really shifts our focus. It really shifts our focus. Folks, as you're listening to this interview, with uh, the amazing Joe Vitale, realize that, look, the greatest gift you can give the world is being yourself. You are a unique emanation of the divine. Your art, and when you look at art, folks, there's no, art is art, you know, art is whatever it is. And so you are living art. Give yourself full permission to be what you were meant to be. Joe, this has been uh, such an awesome conversation. You know, as we kind of, begin wrapping things up. You've shared so much so generously. I mean, we've packed a lot into a short period of time. Uh, and you've covered a lot, a kind of final questions and one assignment I'd love for you to give out as we wrap this conversation is, you know, I ask each, each guest at the end, if there were, if you looked at your entire life experience, and there might be some overlap, but if you looked at your entire life experience, successes, failures, I mean, and hearing that you're going through perhaps the most challenging year of your life and to still feel you you know, vital and alive and, you know, kicking and, you know, testifying on this conversation is amazing. And so I'm curious if there were three life lessons that were perhaps Mm. the most important life lessons as you reflect on your life that you wish you would have known that, let's say you feel these are the key wisdoms that would evolve the next generation, the consciousness of the next generation the most that you would like to pass on to, you know, your children and grandchildren and so forth, what, what would the three keys be that you would like to share that you feel would evolve the next generation most? Wow. Uh, well, the very first thing that comes to mind, and these are just off the top of my head, I sure not sure. thought about it. The very first thing is the great something is taking care of you. I wrote a song called The Great Something. It's on my Great Something album. And what it's referring to is call it God, call it the universe, call it Gaia, call it nature, call it a higher power, call it your guardian angels. There is something that is with you all the time. Mm. The great something is watching over you. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is that passion is the secret to success passion. It's similar to Joseph Campbell saying, you know, follow your bliss. I've often said, follow your enthusiasm, follow your passion. Your passion is your particular ticket to your enjoyment of life, to the gusto of life, to the success that you've been looking for. I guess the third thing I would say is the miracle is now. Instead of looking to the past saying, oh, that was better than now, or looking to the future like that's going to be better than now, look to now because it's really the only thing that's real. The past is gone. It's a memory. The future isn't here. It's a vision. The only thing that's real and the only thing that has power is this moment. So realizing the miracle is now is very empowering, and gratitude will bring us back into the now. So there you go. Top of my head, three things. 
Beautiful. Great folks, the great something is taking care of you. That's a beautiful thing to remember. Passion is the secret to success, and the miracle is now. The only thing that's real is this moment. Joe, can you uh, assign like a, a homework? If there was like literally before those listening in go back into their lives, look, if there's like one, you know, mini thing, small thing that they could do right now to apply this moment uh, as a homework assignment to implement this conversation, is, is there one thing they could just do this moment? Sure is. I would say, first of all, start stating intentions. State them every day for what you want to experience that day. State them for the week, the month, the year. And it's different than goal setting because I'm talking about something that is an outcome that is measurable. And at the same time, as I talked about earlier, you add the phrase, this or something better. But if they want an yes. assignment for right now, I would say state an intention for what you would like to have, do, or be the rest of today. Mm. What do you want to have, do, or be the rest of the day? State it out as if you're a magician, you're Harry Potter, you've got a magic wand. Mm. You can wave it and you can make this come true. After you state the intention, add this or something better. And then the second part of the homework assignment is be aware of your self-talk. Do you have beliefs that show up that support you going for the intention? Or do you have beliefs that are showing up that don't support you? If you have them showing up to support you, those are the cheerleaders. Keep them, feed them, water them. But the beliefs that show up that are like excuses and are holding you back, question them so that you could release yes. them because anything mm. is possible. I love it. Folks, you heard the amazing homework assignment from Joe Vitale. State your attention. But the key, this or something better, which I love. And be aware of your self-talk. Apply it. I would love for you to email me, Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. Folks, I love hearing your key takeaways from... Uh, each episode, I want to know some of your key insights and what you received from this conversation with the amazing Joe Vitale. And let me know how this homework assignment of stating your intention, being aware of your self-talk goes. Joe, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, you're always so generous and uh, an inspiration. Um, what's the best way that people can connect with you, find out about your work? You mentioned uh, Attract Money Now. Where can they find that? And let people know the best websites and all of that good stuff. Well, thank you. Well, the the book is free. It's at attractmoneynow.com, www.attractmoneynow.com. I do have a website with lots of material on it, including videos and some free courses. That's at vitalilifemastery.com. So it's V-I-T-A-L-E, lifemastery.com. Otherwise, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all over the Internet. Poke around a little bit, you'll find me. Awesome. Folks, you heard it. We'll, we'll post uh, some of Joe's links, all of Joe's links, actually, in the show notes. So check the show notes for those links directly. Thoroughly encourage you to explore his website, explore his work. Make sure if you haven't read his books, check out his books. They're definitely inspiring and filled with practical information and knowledge. TrekMoneyNow.com. Uh, go there to get... Uh, the free, uh, the free book, also VitaliLifeMastery.com. We'll post those in the show notes. Folks, such a great conversation today. Thank you, Joe. Sending you much love for the next year. And everyone, sending you big hugs. Please download this episode. Share it with everyone you love. Post on social media. I look forward to catching you in the next episode of Soul Talk. Love now, everyone. Big hugs.
If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.